Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you. Thanks for coming up. I want you to imagine it is a very hot day and you are playing outside and you get really, really thirsty. And you think to yourself in your mind, I need a drink of water. Where do you normally go to get drinks of water at your house? Who wants to share? Where do you get water at your house? It's the sink in your kitchen? Or kitchen sink? Anybody else? Different spot? Maybe a water bottle in the fridge? Okay. Does anybody have a refrigerator that has water in the refrigerator and you can just stick a cup there and get water out of it? Yeah. Now, I want you to imagine it's really hot day. You're really thirsty and you go to the place where you normally get water and you turn on the faucet. Nothing comes out. Or you go to the refrigerator and you open it up and there's no water bottles inside. Or you take the cup and you put it in the little hole in the, in the refrigerator door and no water comes out. How's that make you feel? Say, wait a minute, I thought there was going to be water coming out of this faucet. Every time I've ever turned it on, there's been water to quench my thirst when I'm thirsty. But then all of a sudden, no water. And you say, Dad, Mom, something's wrong. We just heard a a passage in the Old Testament from a prophet named Jeremiah. And he said something kind of like that. He said to God, why is my pain unending? And my wound grievous and incurable. You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. There's a lot of big words in there, and you might not understand them all, but it's just like if you're thirsty and you go to the faucet and you turn it on and no water comes out. That's what Jeremiah felt like. He felt like God was not being a blessing to him. He felt like every time he looked for the Lord to bless him, he was like a water faucet that you turn the handle and no water would come out. And there's a reason for that. Jeremiah was looking for a very specific kind of blessing. He was thinking in his mind that if God really loved him, then God would make his life better. That if God really liked him, he would make it so that Jeremiah did not have so much sadness in his heart. That if God really loved him, he would make it so that Jeremiah did not have so much pain in his heart. But God was not doing that. God was letting Jeremiah continue to hurt in his heart. And he said, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you not making the pain and the sadness Go away. Today we're going to learn something about our God. We're going to learn something about what he sees when he looks at you, what he looks at me. When we look at our life, we tend to see this time between birth and death. But God sees much, much more than that. God sees you for who you really are. God sees your soul that will live forever. Did you know that? That even though these bodies may die, we will live forever. The part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, the part of you that knows things and sees things, Jesus knows that part of you will never die. That part of you will live forever and ever and ever. And Jesus knows that for people like you and me who forget that, 
For people like you and me who forget that we live forever and ever and ever, that sometimes we need our bodies to hurt a little bit. Sometimes we need our hearts to be sad a little bit so that we can remember this is not what God wants for us. Jesus came to forgive our sins and to defeat death with his resurrection from the dead so that we could live with him forever and be happy with him forever and never have pain again forever. But here, we will have pain. Here, we will have sadness. And that's okay. Today we learn it's even good. Our God lets our hearts hurt here because he wants us to see ourselves the same way he sees us. He wants us to start to see that we will live forever because of Jesus and that that is where the sadness will be gone. That is where the pain will be gone forever when we live with him in paradise. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, today you give us some hard things to think about. We ask that you would help us to value the things that you value, that you would help us to see things the way you see them, even our suffering. We ask these things in your name, dear Savior. Amen. The portion of God's word that we'll focus our attention on for a little while this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? This is the word of our God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. It's been a long week, but a good one. It's one of those weeks where you hop into the car after you finish up your your work day and you're actually able to leave work behind. (laughs) You got everything done. Everything. There's no project hanging over your head. There's no task list that's halfway done. You got everything done. And you get in your car and you just have that sense of peace and excitement as you look forward to the relaxing weekend that lies ahead. Your mind is completely in front of you on the the weekend plans. 
and you're driving home with joy in your heart, but then you turn onto your street and you see this column of smoke. You realize your house is on fire. Are you still thinking about the weekend plans? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about something inside that is so valuable to you, so precious to you that you're going to figure out a way to get in and grab it? Or are you thinking about someone? Someone that you're not sure, maybe they're in there, maybe they're not calling phones. Am I going to run in and try to search for that loved one, maybe a pet? What are you thinking about as you see that column of smoke rising? Probably what's most valuable to you. That'd be my guess. That in that moment, your mind would become very clear on what was actually most valuable to you. On the drive home, you might have thought you knew what was most valuable to you, (laughs) getting work done, thinking about the things you planned to do that weekend, but then all of a sudden, in an instant, everything becomes very clear. What's that one thing? Who is that one person most valuable to you? In our text, we, we see this little three-letter word. You don't see it in English. It's a little Greek word. It looks like D-E-I. Greek alphabet's a little different from English, but these three letters are close enough. If you saw them, you'd recognize them. You might even be able to try to say it. It's pronounced D-E. And these three little letters, they communicate to us necessity. Something is essential. Something is needed. Something must happen. In our text, it was translated with the word must. But a lot of times, it's just translated, it is necessary. And this little three-letter word in Greek, it almost always takes what we call infinitives. Let's review that. Do you remember what infinitives are? Let me use the garden as an example to try to teach you. If, If you want to plant a garden. It is necessary to till the soil. It is necessary to fertilize the soil. It is necessary to water the plants. It is necessary to pull the weeds. All those verbs that we stick the little English word to in front of, T-O, those are infinitives. And when you have a word like dei in Greek, it almost always takes these infinitives. It is necessary to, it is necessary to, it is necessary to, it is necessary to. Four things here. Jesus says four things are necessary. And as we listen to the four things Jesus says are necessary, we find out what's most valuable to Jesus. It is these four things that are absolutely essential, absolutely necessary, that reveal to us what is most valuable to our Savior Jesus. He says, it is necessary for me to go to Jerusalem. It is necessary for me to suffer many things. It is necessary for me to be killed, and it is necessary for me to be raised from the dead. But even before we realize what's most important to Jesus, what's most valuable to him, 
we find out that what was most valuable to Jesus in that moment as he taught his disciples is not the same as what was most valuable to his disciple, Peter. As soon as Jesus tells Peter and the other disciples exactly what's necessary, Peter says, no way. No way is that happening to you, Lord. There is no way that you are gonna suffer. There is no way that you are gonna die. There is no way that any of this is gonna happen. Did he even hear the part about being raised? Doesn't seem like it. He heard suffering and dying, and he said, no way. Why? Because what valued most to Jesus was different. Peter, in his mind, He saw Jesus as this messianic figure, this Messiah, but he saw him as a roadmap to earthly glory, as a path to earthly happiness. He saw a throne in front of Jesus, and there was a throne in front of Jesus, but not the kind that Peter was thinking of. There was a throne in front of Jesus, and Peter saw himself next to that throne, and Jesus snaps back sternly. says some pretty shocking words. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter got himself in between Jesus and what was most valuable to Jesus. And if you can just go back to that picture of the house on fire again for just a moment, can you imagine somebody trying to tell you that you're not going into that house? Someone's trying to convince you that you are not going into that house to get what's most valuable to you. And Jesus says, Peter, get out of my way. There is nothing keeping me from running into that burning house. You get out of my way and get out of my way right now. What's in between you and what's most valuable to you? Let's put a a good construction on it for a moment and let's just assume the best. You were all people who decided to get up today and go to church. Okay, so I'm going to put an assumption on this that, that you are people who want to value godly things. And we're going to make the assumption that you are valuing godly things. Uh, last week, some of you might remember, we talked about loving God and loving neighbor, that that's really the summary of what God would have for us, that he would have us love him and love our neighbors. So let's just assume that's true for you. You value loving God and loving neighbor above anything else. What tries to get in the way of you loving God and loving neighbor? Well, for some of you, it might be that your retirement plans did not go quite the way you thought they were going to go. That husband, that wife that you looked forward to spending so much time with, well, got sick. Maybe the Lord called that loved one home and now here you are alone. And you're a little upset about it, just a little angry and you don't really want to love God or love your neighbor. For others here, I have no doubt it is your occupation. 
It is the line of work that you have chosen. You are busy, busy, busy. And you find ways to be busy because it keeps your mind off all the suffering and all the hardship and you just got this stuff that you have to do and you convince yourself this is the only option for me and it keeps you away from church. It keeps you away from time in God's word. It keeps you away from opportunities to love the people that God has placed right in front of you. You just can't help it. You gotta work. For others of you, it's pleasure. It's not that you're not a hard worker. It's not that you don't like working. You just work really hard at feeling good. You, you work really, really hard at putting things in your life that are gonna give you that better life experience, that, that happiness in your heart. Next thing you know, that pleasure is standing right in the way of you and what's most valuable to you. Suppose you could flip it and you could say, well, (laughs) what's most valuable to me are the experiences of life. What's most valuable to me is my job, my work. What's most valuable to me is this life itself. And then what is it that's standing between you and those things you value so much? Well, then it's Jesus. I don't know if you caught this, but when Jesus tells Peter to get out of his way, he's also getting in Peter's way. When Jesus tells Peter, get out of my way, I got somewhere I'm going, you're not gonna keep me from what's most valuable to me. At the exact same time, Jesus is keeping Peter from what had falsely, wrongly become what was most valuable to him. Maybe you figured this out already. But you are what's most valuable to Jesus. Nothing was gonna stop Jesus from running into the flames of hell and rescuing you. Nothing. There was nothing Peter could do, nothing Peter could hold in front of Jesus that was so valuable to him that he was not willing to risk it all and run into hell to save you. It is necessary for me to go to Jerusalem. It is necessary for me to suffer at the hands of everyone in authority over me. It is necessary for me to be killed by them and it is necessary for me to be raised from the dead. Those four things were absolutely essential, absolutely necessary for Jesus to get you, for Jesus to rescue you and for Jesus to rescue me. To Jesus, this sounds crazy to us, but to Jesus, the most valuable thing he had in this life was the cross. Because it was the cross in this life which would allow him to have you forever. You tracking that? It was suffering the agony of hell on a cross that became the most valuable thing to Jesus, the most necessary thing to him so he could have you because you go far beyond this life. And so Jesus presents to you and to me this thing that sounds crazy. It sounds insane. 
but only to people who don't know Jesus. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You must do this. For anyone who wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You heard the word life twice and you heard the word soul twice. It's actually the exact same form of the exact same word in Greek. It is the word that refers to your whole self, kind of like we talked about in the children's devotion. It is the word in Greek that refers to everything that you are, that you, that doesn't end. You forget that, I forget that. We don't end. We go on and on and on forever into eternity Jesus knows that. He doesn't lose sight of that. And he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, viewing it only in the perspective of this life between birth and death, whoever only focuses on that portion will lose the whole thing. But whoever loses that little portion here will find the whole thing. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world here, yet lose the whole thing? Or what can everyone give in exchange for life that doesn't end? And this is why Jesus says, pick up your cross. Pick it up. Endure the suffering that I send your way, yeah. That he sends your way. This crazy thing happens for us who know Jesus and his cross. For us who know Jesus and who know that the cross here was the most valuable thing to him because you are the most valuable thing forever. You look at the cross as Jesus sends into your life and you realize that it is the most valuable thing you have here. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. The cross that you bear here, the suffering that you endure here as a Christian is the most valuable thing that you have here because it makes you weaker and weaker and weaker, just like it does to me. And as the cross makes you weaker and weaker and weaker, you have no choice but to rely on the strength of Christ and on the strength of Christ alone. And that's when you have peace. That's when you realize that your eternity is secure. That's when you realize that the most valuable thing in the world for you is the same thing that was the most valuable thing in the world for Jesus, the very cross itself. And so when something gets in the way of God and neighbor, you say, kind of like Jesus did to Peter, get out of my way. I don't want anything to do with you stopping me from getting where I'm going. When the pleasure of this world gets in the way of God and neighbor, it's got to get out of the way. When your occupation gets in the way of God and neighbor, it's got to get out of the way. When the experiences of this life get in the way of God 
and neighbor, it's got to get out of the way. And that will cause suffering. That will cause pain. That will cause you to endure the ridicule of people in your life who look at you and think you are nuts. That will cause you pain as maybe you don't progress as much as you could have in your line of work. That will cause you pain as maybe you don't get to experience the same thing that everyone else who lives life in this deteriorating world gets to experience. But that cross itself will become the most valuable thing you have. And when those earthly things become the most valuable thing to you, watch your Savior Jesus throw himself in front of you and cause you to trip over and over and over again. Watch him come to you and become an obstacle to you and make you fall flat on your face time after time again to keep you from running after stuff that is nowhere near as valuable as you think it is. Watch him draw your attention back to reality. Watch him help you see things for what they really are again. Watch him become a stumbling block to you. Now get up, Christian. It's time to pick up your cross. Let's follow Jesus. It's worth it. Amen.